Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of Jesus Christ who brings His kingdom among us today. Amen. I'm going to draw your attention to that, just that first parable uh, that Jesus uh, spoke uh, in the text this morning. It starts in chapter 4, verse 26 of Mark. Um, and one thing about parables is to really try to focus in on uh, what Jesus is adding that's extra a lot of times. Because he's giving an explanation of something, but often it's in the extra details that don't seem to matter or don't seem to belong that we get the key to understanding uh, his parables. And so it is with this one. And so listen to this and I'll point out uh, what the key to understanding it is. And then as we understand Jesus' teaching, it will teach us what he wants us to know today, which is to understand his kingdom So verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, At once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, the extra details where he he puts an emphasis where maybe you wouldn't expect a common description of how plants grow is that nobody knows how this happens. Nobody knows. You see, the, the one who sows, he puts it out there, but after he sows it, is he camped out in his field making the seeds grow, yelling at them until they get their act together and they get up out of the ground. No, it says he goes to sleep, right? He sleeps and rises. He goes about his business and something else causes the growth. And he says the earth produces by itself. And first comes uh, the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. And the point of this is to point out that some other force is at work besides the one who's sowing the seed. Does everyone see that? There's a bit of a mystery to it. That something of its own mind, its own volition, its own will causes these, thing, these, spreads, uh, these uh, seeds to spring forth and bear harvest. And so that's what he's pointing out. And so uh, I want to invite you to meditate on this idea with me for a little bit, and it is a great mystery. Well, you probably don't see that yet, but it is a great mystery. And then we'll take that idea and gather into us what Jesus is teaching to us about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so who can explain to me how this works? Well, you might be able to explain how, right? You say, yeah, the sun comes up, it heats the soil to the right temperature. Um, you know, agronomists will tell you all about this. Farmers will tell you all about this. Um, there's enzymes maybe in the seed that cause it to sprout. 
Uh, and that's about where we're going to end <laughs> with that explanation. We can maybe understand some of how, but the facts of how this happened is not an explanation for why it is happening. Uh, and yet it's amazing that year after year, month after month, season after season, uh, especially in this area, but throughout the world, farmers bet their livelihoods on the, the fact that this will continue to happen. All of our lives are hinging on these seeds deciding to grow up and create a harvest. Isn't that true? And we don't really know why it's happening. We think we might have an inkling, but we don't. We don't really understand. I remember when um, um, my kids were pretty young, my daughter in particular, Amelia, she was just a toddler learning how to walk, and we had planted a, a garden uh, one summer, and so it was harvest time, and they were, the kids were helping us harvest, and I just remember just this mind-blowing uh, event in the kids' lives to realize that those little seeds that they put in the ground, they made something. <laughs> and uh, in particular, I have this, this picture of my daughter who pulled a carrot out of the ground, helping us harvest, and she has this big carrot just amazed that this orange thing is in the ground, and we told her to eat it. It was a carrot. She should eat it. And so she ate it, and she bit it right at the top. And um, her, afterwards, her face just scrunched up to this, like, oh, disgusting, you know. Uh, she was so surprised that it was bitter and also that it was full of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that natural amazement that kids are so natural at that I think Jesus is pointing to. You see, when you get old, you get bored. You've seen it time after time again. There's nothing for you to discover anymore, you think. And so you forget how amazing this creation is. How when you were a child, you didn't know what anything tasted like. And so every bite was a new adventure, right? You didn't understand anything really about how the world worked. And so when you discovered how it worked, everything was amazing. It was like God was just blowing your mind with his new gift I cannot believe how this world works. It's also perfect for me. It's also wonderful, also amazing to discover. We get a little tired of it. As we grow, we think we just start taking it for granted. We think we know so much, and so we get bored, and we're not easily impressed, and nothing really stirs us to understand the majesty that's being presented. But there's no real reason that the world should produce this way. There's no logical necessity. Uh, this was the thought that brought um, G.K. Chesterton to faith, or at least one of them. Uh, he was a writer before world, the World Wars, and he was someone who was uh, not a Christian, and he was a philosopher, a deep thinker. This was around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Um, but he was being told by so many people that this is just the way it has to be. The world is this way just because that's necessity. It has to be this way. And he never bought that description of the world. Uh, he never believed uh, that the world had to produce good things for us, that apples had to be edible, that corn had to grow from the ground. There's no logical, mathematical necessity for that. And so he found that all of the world's explanations for why the world was the way it was fell short. And he found that the best explanations could be found in fairy tales. 
Because in a fairy tale, there's always an explanation for why the beans are magic, right? Why the kiss wakens the sleeping beauty, why there's a dragon guarding the gold. There's always a story, a reason for why things are that makes sense. And he found that people were just living without asking those deep questions anymore, without understanding that there is someone telling the seeds to grow year after year. That there is a personal force pulling the strings behind all creation, sustaining all things. And so he found that was the case in fairy tales, but not in the scientific realm. And he found that uh, as he drifted towards the shores of Christianity, that the Christians had good answers for why the world is so wonderful. Let me kind of deepen your thinking a little bit about this, or at least another example. Has anyone seen this image before? Um, this is an image of DNA being replicated. And it's a computer image that was generated after a lot of study. Uh, but what you can see is that double helix of the DNA coming up into that blue thing. <laughs> and it's actually being torn apart and copied. All of the, um, the uh, nuclear acids being copied backwards and then reassembled backwards in your body. Right now, this is happening millions of times right in this minute in just your body. This happens in the trillions of cells that is in, are in your body, also every other living thing that reproduces. That we used to think that our cells were like little blobs of jelly, right? There's not much going on in there. And people maybe around the time of G.K. Chesterton were thinking, oh, we'll soon be able to replicate these cells no problem artificially with our own intelligence. But what we know now is that every cell has about the complexity, uh, not of a blob of jelly, but the complexity of a galaxy. That there are nanomachines right now working in your cells to do all kinds of functions, this being one of the most important ones. Uh, but this, these kinds of functionings are happening. And when you look closer and closer and closer at these molecules, all of them doing what they were told to do without a mind, as if by their own volition, uh, many scientists, because of discoveries like this, have come again to the God hypothesis. Um, without revelation, we can look at creation and say, there must be an actor behind all of this. There must be. It's, so, it's more complex than anything that any computer scientist has ever created. And it's going on in every primitive cell of our bodies. Maybe it's not so primitive. Here's another image that I love to contemplate. This is an image of our uh, solar system. Usually we conceive of it looking down with the sun in the middle and, and concentric circles around the sun. But actually, the truth is the sun is on the move, right? It's going around uh, in our galaxy, the Milky Way, orbiting itself around apparently a black hole. And by the way, galaxies also orbit around larger bodies of mass in the universe. And so this is a more accurate description of what our solar system looks like. Uh, and when we observe the world, when we see the grandeur of it, um, only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
That's what the Proverbs say. Only a fool could say that, someone who is blind and deaf to everything that God has done. When we allow ourselves to be swept away in the miraculousness of all of this, does it not cause your heart to praise God, to reach out to say there is someone, a force, a person behind all of this beauty that is regularly presented to me in all the world, and even though I'm bored and apathetic to it, when I see it, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's beyond what I could imagine. And this is, if we understand the wonder that Jesus is pointing out in a simple seed growing, we can understand his point about his kingdom, about the kingdom of God. Uh, Christians have good answers for why the world is the way it is. Um, Not only the how, but the why. After God flooded the world and destroyed all wicked humanity besides one family, uh, after that, Noah, who he had brought through for the sake of Christ, who would come, after that, Noah gave an offering to the Lord. And as the smoke came up uh, before the Lord of the offering, Uh, God moved to say to the world these words, right? He said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What a beautiful promise to hold on to for stressed out farmers, right? Do you know a stressed out farmer in your life? Remind them, God promises Seed time and harvest is coming again. There is a person behind the seasons. There is a reason why the earth continues to bear fruit. We know his name and he is faithful. The promise continues to go. He continues to bring rain, sun, light, all of the things that we need to be sustained. Beyond that, Hebrews chapter 1 says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Why do the seeds grow? Jesus' word sustains the seeds and tells them to grow. Why do your cells replicate? Why do, does every atom do what is commanded of it? Jesus sustains all creation by the word of his power. Why do we continue to uh, revolve around the sun? Why do we continue to rotate in the sky so that the sun can be on both sides of our planet? Because Jesus sustains the universe with his word. There is an actor behind all of these good and gracious gifts. It is God himself. And his word is sustaining all things. Jesus is making this point, showing that whatever is bringing the seeds to fruition, has a mind, a volition, and a power of its own so that he can tell us about the kingdom of God. And so what is he saying? Uh, He's saying that that same force, that same wonder that presents you with good and gracious gifts day in and day out is the same force behind his kingdom. It's the word of God that brings from nothing things that will exist by the word that sustains all creation. It's the same mighty force hidden right in front of your eyes that brings forth the kingdom of God and his purposes. It's the Holy Spirit descending into us with the news of Jesus 
and his death and his resurrection. It's that power that's behind this, and it's not stoppable. I recently heard that uh, Bill Gates, uh, he is in the news a lot lately, but Bill Gates is building a giant nuclear facility, a nuclear power plant in Wyoming. And um, of course, it's going to be the latest and the greatest, the most sustainable, the most wonderful thing uh, the world's ever seen. You know, it's going to be this grand project. And the statistics are pretty amazing. Uh, at full capacity, when it's completed, it's going to be able to power three-fourths of the homes in all of Wyoming. Pretty much a whole state could be sustained by this one facility. Uh, kind of an amazing uh, feat. Um, and we think, man, maybe I should invest. You know, that sounds like a really powerful endeavor. It's going to be a really amazing uh, project. It's going to be an awesome, uh, you know, uh, life-sustaining kind of a thing for the whole state. It's not, not easy to put out a nuclear facility. Uh, but you know what? We have something that's much stronger, much more impressive than the nuclear facility that he's building. Do you know what that is? It's called VBS. <laughs> VBS, Vacation Bible School. What's more powerful? What's going to last longer? I mean, think a lot about how long you could power your laptop with that nuclear facility, right? What's going to last longer than that reaction sustaining all those people, all those homes? Is it not the one who calls all those particles to behave as they do? Isn't it? What's more powerful than all of that nuclear power being put out? Is it not the God who created light? And if the God who created light is behind the kingdom of God, what can stop it? And so as we gather children to hear God's word, that the word might be planted into their little hearts, this is a more important, more powerful endeavor than the world has. This is something that will last not only for this life and many lives to come, but for eternal life, because the one who is behind it is God himself. And so if we understand this, we begin to understand God's kingdom. We begin to understand that the powerful working of God is at work not where we would expect it, but it's hidden in plain sight. It's hidden in the simple words, the simple promises of Jesus. That's where God's power is hidden for us to find. And so think about in your own life, uh, what has been one of the most powerful moments in your life? When is the time that someone has grabbed your heart and changed you? Was it not when you were broken and a whisper came to you and said, I forgive you, I love you, and I'm still with you? Isn't that what wins over hearts and changes minds? It produces loyalty to the kingdom of God. It's not the show of power it's the simple, merciful word of God getting into us, changing our hearts. The deposit of faith saying, I'll be with you for eternity. That you have all of this promise by faith, as Jesus says, trust in me and I will raise you from the dead. You won't come into judgment. You have all of it by faith, but one day you will see it by sight. When Jesus calls you out of the grave 
with the same word that he used to create the world. And the beauty is that in, in God's kingdom, that word is here for you today. Speaking again to you, your sins are forgiven. You belong in the kingdom of God. Jesus spilled his blood on the cross for you so that from the blood that fell to the earth, there would be a harvest of joy and faith in your life. This is how the powerful and mighty kingdom of God works. Here's what Isaiah 55 says about this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. And Hebrews 4 says this about God's word, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That this is God's power, hidden right in front of us, changing everything that can never be stopped. It's God's word. And so, as God rules us by his word, as his kingdom descends to us by his word, uh, there's at least uh, two implications we should take home today. Uh, the first is this. Uh, Jesus teaches these parables in response to people who are rejecting him. Uh, so his family rejects him. They think he's crazy. Thanks, Mom. Um, the Pharisees who should know who Jesus is, they reject him. They say he's possessed by the devil. Do you remember that last week? And so Jesus begins to speak in parables because people are rejecting his kingdom. And so he's telling them why people are rejecting his kingdom. And in this uh, parable, as well as the others around it, uh, there's a, a, a warning. And the warning is this. Even though God's kingdom that come, came in Jesus doesn't look impressive, doesn't look mighty, Jesus is one man in one place in one time of history. He's not all powerful. He's not coming with armies and, and nuclear facilities. But even though it doesn't look powerful, don't miss it. You see? There's a sickle at the end of this. A sickle that reminds us that harvest is coming. The harvest teaches us that yes, there will be joy when many are gathered into the house of the Lord. There will be sorrows when many are turned away and burned. The sickle is a promise. It's also a warning. And so that's the first thing is we could, people can miss God's kingdom as they look in the wrong place, as they are blind to all the miraculous things that God is doing right in front of them. And so the first takeaway I would say is just to pray to pray that God would spare us from being foolish, spare us from being, becoming blind to his working, spare us from having ears that are clogged to his word so that we wouldn't perceive in our hearts. Also that God would spare others that we love from this fate, our children, our family, our friends, our neighbors, that God would open hearts by the work of his Holy Spirit so that they too might be tapped into this power. Uh, the second thing that we should take home is this. Uh, don't try, don't try 
to micromanage your own growth in the faith. And I think many Christians do try this. They think, okay, I get the main picture about Christianity, and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to double down on my efforts, and I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to get it done. And they burn themselves out as they look to the work of their own hands for their growth, rather than where Jesus is pointing you today, and that is to the mysterious working of God behind the scenes. And so the posture of Christianity is not the farmer yelling at his crops, right, trying to get them to grow faster. That is not the posture of Christianity. Rather, the posture of Christianity is a trusting, receptive, holding on to the Word of God and trusting that He will cause the growth in your life, right? God knows you more than you know you. God knows how to make you grow. God's kingdom will grow as you hold on to the seed that he places into you. You don't have to muscle it out of the ground. You don't have to force it to happen. Hold on to these precious words from God and they will transform you. There is a promise. Uh, Jesus promises this in uh, John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. It is a promise. As you abide in Christ, you will bear fruit. Hold on to his word with a true heart and it will happen. God's word will change you. For, for much of the world, um, they will not see this. For many in the world, they will never see the powerful working of God in creation, in, in, the, in the hands and feet of their children, in the growing of the crops, in the mirac- miraculous happenings of the cell. They'll never see God, and they will be foolish. For many, they will never see the powerful working of God through the Holy Spirit in the church. They will never see God in Jesus. They'll look everywhere else, and they will be foolish as well. But to you has been given the secrets. To you it has been revealed that God is the one behind all creation. That God is the power behind Jesus Christ. That God is the one who is bringing forth the kingdom of God which has no end. And so hold on to that, friends. In the wisdom of God, cling to the word of God so that you also will produce fruit. And when Jesus appears by sight and by power, you too will be gathered in to God's eternal storehouse. In the name of Jesus, amen.